You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. so grateful for Paris, so grateful for the disciples, the unsung heroes um, that have worked so hard to keep a, a church there when so many people don't want to stand up for Jesus. In an atheistic nation, you guys stand. I'm very grateful for the Paris church. Let's pray. God in heaven, we're sinful people, especially me. I pray that you move me out of the way to do your will. I pray that you move us out of the way this year. That we will march forward into the unknown. That we will step into the darkness where our fears lie and we will conquer them for you. That Father, we will divide, that we will multiply, that we will become a great nation for your name. That we will not worry about our glory. We will not worry about what man says. But we will be thinking about you the entire time. God, give us your strength. Give us your mercy. Give us your wisdom. Help us to be used by you in whatever way you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen. In the body, there's a basic unit and structure. Very small. It's called a cell. You were all made from one single cell. A zygote. A fertilized egg. Just magnifying glass. You, gotta, you can't see without it. And the only way that that egg would grow is by dividing and multiplying. Cells only grow exponentially. Not one by one by two by two. Two, four, six, eight multiplication and new cells only come from existing cells no new cells out of nowhere no they come from the existing cells you started from one single cell and now you sitting here in this audience are 10 trillion cells each by the mighty hand of God And some may say Michael Hart is 20 trillion cells by the mighty hand of God. God laid out the plan that one cell can change everything. One disciple in Haiti became hundreds this year, last year. One disciple in the Philippines became hundreds. Our movement was started by one man who had a dream that the Bible's convictions were true and he has become thousands by the mighty hand of God. What is God's plan of multiplication? It said every disciple, every Bible talk, every region and every church divides and multiplies for his glory. The title of my sermon is Divide and Conquer. My first point for you today is you need to die 
to multiply. You must die to multiply. We'll, dump, we'll jump into Joshua chapter 1. In Joshua chapter 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Un, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. And now you and all the people get ready to cross the Jordan into the land I'm about to give them. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. In the blink of an eye, this normal disciple, if you will, Kevin Toto, became the leader of a church. In the blink of an eye, Joshua became the leader of more than two million people. And the call was to get them across a river. Now sometimes it's hard to get up in the morning. Sometimes the wife needs to flat iron her hair. Sometimes I need to brush my hair. Sometimes the kids are running all over the place. Sometimes my spiritual kids are running all over the place. But the call to get these people across the Jordan was a mighty task. Because you see what this Jordan crossing symbolized was death. To get across the Jordan was dying to themselves. To enter into that promised land was getting into heaven. Joshua, without hesitation, in verse 11, he told the official to go through the camps and tell the people, get your supplies ready. In three days, we are going. And I love that we have a three-day workshop. Because it is day number three. And you know what's happening tomorrow? We are going. Joshua chapter three. Now, some people get upset when somebody preaches or talks about the chapter that you were going to use. That just lets me know that the spirit is working. That lets me know that I'm just trying to be like Michael. And man, when he does something that I want to do, it is awesome because we're working one in the spirit. Early in the morning. Now imagine, early in the morning, five in the morning, that, that crusty campus brother. Bro, we got to cross the Jordan! That little kid running all over the place with her nappy hair. We gotta cross the Jordan! That, that evangelist who's struggling that morning, who needs to have a quiet time, because he's gotta lead two million people, or maybe just the parish church. We gotta cross the Jordan today! They went out early in the morning. And in verse 3 it says, They gave order to the people, When you see that ark, the covenant of the Lord of God, the priests who are the Levites carrying it. You are to move out from your position and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. We have never multiplied in London the way we will in 2017. God is going to do things in all of Europe that you have never seen before. 
Joshua says, consecrate yourself. For tomorrow the Lord will do something amazing among you. And in verse 9, Joshua says to the Israelites, come here and listen to the word of the Lord, your God. This is how you will know the living God is among you. That he will certainly drive out before you the people in Chelsea, those people at LSC, those people in Brixton, the Queen Mary School, UCL, Barnet, Westfield, Stratford, and uh, Shepherd's Bush. You're going to see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth. It will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from amongst the tribe of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth set foot on the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Verse 15. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. The Jordan stream was flooding. But why? Because it was the harvest time. When you look at dying to yourself in 2017, it looks difficult. Why? Because it's the harvest time. You look at your life in 2016 and you say, there's no way I can be that way again. You look at the dreams you have this year of multiplication, of having a new wife, of having a new husband, a new job, a new title, a new role. They look scary. But I tell you that Jesus says, that God says, the harvest is right before you. And in verse 17, the priests carried the ark. They stood out on that water and the whole nation completely crossed as on dry ground. In 2016, I had to give up my pride. I realized I was prideful at the age of five. Orgueil. Orgueil. The French disciples said, I know Anthony's prideful, but um, could you please give me that French word? And my mom would tell me at five years old, I'd stare in the mirror, and I would start combing my hair. For two hours. I'd part it on this side. I'd part it on the other side. I'd part it down the middle. And I would just go for it. Now that's cute at five years old, but that ain't so cute at 30. Now I don't do my hair like that anymore. But my, cr- my pride really seeped in. And you know you're prideful when your discipling doesn't make sense. You know you're prideful when you're saying to yourself, man, this discipling is not fair. Let me help you out. You're prideful, just like me. I was at staff one time in Los Angeles, and I was wearing my $300 uh, All Saints coat with my $1,000 watch. Why am I wearing an All Saints coat, double-breasted, in 90-degree weather? I'm very insecure. 
And my discipler at the time comes to me and he says, bro, this isn't a fashion show. Why are you dressed up like that? <laughs> he showed me the scripture in Isaiah. He says, Jesus wasn't uh, anything that would stand out before man. And you stand out like a sore thumb. You need to repent. So I repented and I came in a t-shirt and jeans for the rest of my time there. And then I came to London. And there was a, I won't say who, a certain bald black evangelist. I, I'm not pointing any fingers. Because I mean, there's plenty of bald black evangelists here that are sitting in the front row. And he goes, some of you Americans, you think you're so awesome with your t-shirts and jeans on, but this is the fashion capital of the world and you need to repent. God, this is not fair. And God said, no, you're prideful. In 2014, Cassidy and I landed in the South region. I preached a lesson. I said, we're all going somewhere, guys. You're going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. We're going back to Europe one day. I get with Kip. He goes, bro, you are not going anywhere. You are staying right here in LA. You go back next week and you preach yourself a sermon that says you're staying for the next 10 years. Amen. <laughs> Amen, bro. Guys, we are staying for the next 10 years. We're going to build up this part and this part and this part. We will have our babies here. We will buy puppies here. I'm going to buy goldfish here. We're going to be here. We're going to die here. Two weeks later. Bro, I got incredible news for you. You're going to London. What is your Jordan, your Jordan crossing this year? What do you need to get rid of? For me, when I realize that when I say it's got to make sense, it's because I'm prideful. When I say to myself, why isn't it fair? It is my pride that is always before me. And as a very humble evangelist once told me, why not be cheated? Why not be wronged for the sake of the kingdom of God? I challenge you to number one, follow the ark. There are people in your lives in situations that God is calling you to change in. They are not crazy. You are crazy and you need to change just like I do. Consecrate yourself. Whatever you're messed up in today, God is forgiving. Even if you're visiting with us, if you think you don't want to be a disciple, if you're thinking about walking away from the faith, whatever it is, consecrate yourself. And lastly, go on the strength that you have. When you do it God's way, the multiplication will happen and so will the miracles. Point number two, it is God's way or the highway. It is God's way or the highway. In chapter seven and eight, 
God deals with Achan's pride. He steals some stuff. He hides his sin. And God destroys him and his family. We're not going to look at the negative view of this today. We're going to focus on the positive. We'll go to Joshua chapter 5. Are you with me? Joshua chapter 5. Verse 13. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up at a man standing in front of him. Verse 13. It says, with his sword drawn, Joshua went up to him and he asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have come now. Then Joshua fell face down in reverence and he asked him, What is the message the Lord has for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, boy, because you're standing on the holy ground. And Joshua took his sandals off and he said, Tell me the plan. And he says, I got a perfect plan for you, Joshua. You see those shiny trumpets you got over there? Those ram horns that you haven't used in a long time? You're going to march around the city for six days. And on the seventh day, you're going to march around seven times. You're going to blow those little trumpets. God's going to knock those walls down. What do you think about that? You've got a disciple who's going to help you get through your problems. What do you think about that? You've got Bible studies that you need to master. What do you think about that? If you read your Bible every day and pray every day, all your problems will disappear. What do you think about that? You see, God's solutions often do not make sense because they take faith. God's solution often come in a form of some jacked up person that is going to help you to be more like Jesus. And oftentimes that guy's name is Anthony Olmos. But God's plan is always true and sovereign. And what do you think happened? They marched around that little city. They blew those little trumpets. And those walls came tumbling down just as God said they would. Have you ever tried to take a shortcut that ended up becoming a long cut? My brother tried to take a shortcut and bring me to the airport. He said, we're going to be there in 48 minutes. He looked at his GPS 48 minutes later. It says we're going to be there in 50 minutes. One time I was going to Disneyland and I was wearing a turtleneck. Again, why am I wearing a turtleneck in 90 degree weather? I'm just an insecure guy. Let me just put that out before you. I was about 13, 12, I don't know. Let me just lower the number so it seems less bad on myself. And you know, I'm a lazy guy. So you know what? I'm wearing a turtleneck. It's wrinkled. Why don't I just iron it while I'm wearing it? Right, Renee? So I start ironing it, shooting the steam. Oh, got a little steam right there. Oh. <laughs> but I don't want to look bad in front of people. Ah! 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 And then I get to the neck. Ah! I gave 
myself a three-inch burn bubble that I was crying all day around Disneyland with. And that, that lesson stuck with me. I still got a little scar right there from the day I tried to do a shortcut. And I think God used this principle in my life. I often try to take shortcuts with women. Shortcut, immorality. Shortcut, drunkenness. Shortcut, she cheated on me. Shortcut, I lied to her. Shortcut, I got an STD. And then I said to myself one day, I'm tired of getting burned in my neck. I'm tired of ironing my stinking turtleneck while I'm wearing it. Why don't I just take it off and do it God's way? And you've got to ask yourself, why do you keep ironing that darn turtleneck while you're wearing it? Because when I finally took it off, and I did it God's way, God gave me the most compassionate, humble, loving, trusting, loyal, incredible, beautiful woman in my entire life that I've ever seen, that I could even dream of, far beyond that. All that it took was doing it God's way. I want to challenge you this year to be patient and disciplined in the areas you don't want to be. Because a lot of you are disciplined in the areas you like to be. Some of the brothers are really fit. They got muscles coming out of their neck. How do you get those neck muscles, bro? But you're looking real sinful too at the same time. Some of the sisters' eyebrows are on fleek. But you didn't have a quiet time. We have got to be disciplined in the areas that are painful. I'm going to be disciplined in ICCM. Hold me to it. But imagine a year, not just a week, not just a month, but a year of purity. A year of not missing a quiet time. A year where you never stop trusting. A year where you forgave everyone. A year where you were humble the entire time. A year where you never missed a day of sharing. A year where you obeyed your discipler every single time. A year where you took every single challenge. A year where you took it to the next level. A year when God truly used you. God would take us to new levels. My third and final point. Impossibly pray for the impossible. We must impossibly pray for the impossible. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 10. In Jeremiah chapter 10, they got into the promised land. They took I, they took Jericho, and they're on the cusp of getting Jerusalem. Now this is like the north region getting to 100. The west region getting to 100. The south region getting to 100. And that east region, oh, they're at 90. They just need 10 more people. But at the times, and Birmingham, getting 
hundred. And let's toss Paris in there. Paris, get it to a hundred. But at the times when we're on the cusp, again, Satan mounts his attacks. And so the king of Jerusalem at that time pulls his friends together, and we'll pick up in verse 2. It says, He and his people were very alarmed at this because Gibeon was a very important city, like one of the royal cities, and it was larger than I, and all its men were good fighting men. So Adonai Zanek, the king of Jerusalem, appealed to Hoham, the king of Hebron, to Piram, the king of Jarmuth, and Japhia, the king of Lushish, Derby, the king of Avalon. Come up and help me at Gibeon, he said, because they have made a peace treaty with Joshua and the Israelites. Chapter 10, verse 5. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jeremoth, Lachish, Eglon, Joy Forces, they moved up all their troops and took up position at Gibeon and they attacked it. The Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal, do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. And amen. When the call goes out to London for people, we will meet the call. When Paris is strong and Amsterdam calls for help, we will meet the call. When Spain needs help, all our churches together will meet the call. Because we're family to the end. They said, come up and help us. And in verse 7, Joshua marched up from Gilgal with the entire army, including all the best fighting men. I mean, Michael Williamson came up. He took Brandon. He took Colby. He took Yuri. And they knew that they were going to win the fight. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of these guys. I have handed them over to you. And not one of them will withstand you. And after an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. And the Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. Now, we don't have all-night marches, but we do have all-night prayers. And the challenge I want to say is, who did an all-night prayer last year? challenge for every single one of us in 2017 to have that all night march to have biblical results we must take biblical action to have miraculous results we must have miraculous action and we're going to have those all night prayers God threw them into confusion Israel started tearing them apart. They started fleeing. And the Bible says in the second part of verse 11, the Lord heard, hurled hailstones down on them from the sky. And more of them died from the hailstones than by the swords of the Israelites. I, I mean, you just imagine that every single person in here mastered the first principle studies. We were just ready to go. 
I mean, we've got 100, 200 evangelists and women's ministry leaders. We're chomping at the bit, ready to baptize. And 3,000 people walk in the door. And they go, we did all the first principle studies online. We're ready to get baptized today. We don't know why. I think it was God. That's what happened here. That's what will happen in 2017 if we simply hold true to the promises of God. The Bible says that the Amorites were handed over to Israel. And Joshua said in verse 12, to the Lord in the presence of Israel. Imagine you had this prayer in front of everybody. Sun, stand still. Moon, stand still. I mean, if I said that today, and I really meant it, clouds open up, sun shine down, and give us a week of sunshine in London. Part of you, some of you would laugh, some of you would think it's a cruel joke, but probably none of you would believe me. Joshua had to faith in the presence of two million people. This guy's not man-focused at all. And in the presence of God to say, not a, a question, but a statement. Because he knew that if he was praying in God's will, he could command the very sun. He could command the very moon that the stars would submit to him. And the Bible said the moon and the sun stood still. In verse 14, there has never been a day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to man. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. And surely the Lord will fight for London. And the church said, Amen. To pray impossibly is to pray without giving up. Amen. To pray impossibly is to pray more than you've ever prayed before, Brandon. Yes. An hour more every single day. <laughs> to take it to new levels. The most wicked thing that I said to myself last year as I had my quiet times is I thought in my internal monologue man I better hurry this prayer up because I have things to do I have things to do did I put my blood in my veins did I put breath in my lungs did I sustain myself while I slept did I wake myself up that morning? Did I do anything? I don't have nothing to do. Because even the little that I do is God. Amen. We have got to read like never before. To understand that reading the Bible will change your mind. And prayer will change your heart. And when your heart changes through prayer, you will move the very heart of God just as Joshua did. 
My challenge for you is this. Pray for your ministry by name every single day this year. I prayed for the entire West region and I prayed for all of Paris this morning. And all of your family members, I prayed through it all by name. And guess what? As your ministry grows, your prayers will grow. If you're praying for all of them by name. Have an impossible spiritual prayer that you're going to pray for every single day without missing. To be appointed evangelist, women's ministry leader, deacon, shepherd, to to baptize a hundred people in a year. Pray for something crazy. Have an impossible family prayer. You know that one family member that always helps you to be more like Jesus because they're so messed up? Pray for that man or that woman to be baptized or restored this year. And lastly, have an impossible Disneyland prayer. Now you're asking yourself, self, what's an impossible Disneyland prayer? Well, when you're a little kid and you live in America and Southern California, you're just like, take me to Disneyland, take me to Disneyland, take me to Disneyland. You don't really deserve Disneyland. Disneyland's not like a right, but you want it. So pray for a car this year. Pray for a million dollars this year. Pray for a raise this year. Get nuts this year. God is a God who loves you. And if you get that million, remember that I'm the one who called you to pray for it. In 2012 was the first time I ever heard of Priska Scheidek. And um, this is not just a prop, I actually use it. And before I actually met her in person, uh, I, I met Philippe over Skype. I remember being at the South Region Brothers household in LA. And uh, he said, bro, pray for my wife, she has cancer. And uh, we prayed. And uh, Cassidy prayed. And I'm sure many other people prayed. And at that time, I don't even think I knew what kind of miracle it would be if God added to her life. But we had one of those Hezekiah prayers that just, God, just give her more time. And God gave her four more years. And in those four years, she saw a church planning. In those four years, she became a church leader. In those four years, she saw her spiritual daughter restored and married. In those four years, she baptized her daughter. And in those four years, in her final hurrah, she had 300 people at her last Bible talk. God will do incredible things this year. All we've got to do is get out of his way. He will divide. He will conquer. Thank you very much. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events, or devotionals, you can find all that on our website also. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening 
and we'll catch you on the next one.